0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Tuesday, and welcome back to the show, everybody. We are back for episode 468 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to be talking some box office numbers. We're going to be doing a little bit of math. Yes, I know, everyone's favorite subject is, is, of course, the maths, as it were but we are going to be talking about it because, let's just say, I, I did a little bit of number crunching before the stream started as my, my timing and and my my free time is definitely a lot less than, than what it has been in the past, having, of course, now a second young one who's only just four weeks old, uh, Baby Sif. And, oh boy, let's just say things are looking really, really bad for the MCU moving forward with the Marvels. I wish I, I was obviously I, I don't really wish I was exaggerating but I'm not when I say that the Marvels right now if the projections hold and that's a big if obviously when it comes to box office numbers and and early projections early tracking things can change you know very very easily very very quickly but if the th- if the numbers continue to hold as they currently are the Marvels is projected to have the worst opening in the entire history of the MCU. That would mean its opening weekend right now is projected to have less tickets sold domestically than even films like Ant-Man and the Wasp, Ant-Man, the original from 2015, and even The Incredible Hulk. I mention those films because those are films that are typically viewed as having some of the lowest box office openings, some of the lowest box office numbers. And when you actually look at the numbers and you keep in mind the fact that the price of tickets has changed quite a bit. Yes, I know I'm about to say the trigger word, word, everybody, inflation, amongst other things. Yes, you heard that correctly. Right now, if the numbers are holding, and keep in mind, this is looking at the numbers that are currently being projected by Box Office Pro. And this is the high-end number, not the average, not not the low-end number, not not anything else. But if it only makes around $75 million domestically, which is what is being projected as a high-end, at least according to Box Office Pro, guess what? That would be the lowest opening as far as actual ticket sales are concerned in the entire history of the MCU. Though it would not be the lowest opening money-wise as far as total box office, it would not be far off as far as the actual dollars brought in. Add to that the fact that they spent... 270-plus million dollars on this movie. Granted, they got about a 50 million tax exemption, or essentially after after all the receipts come in, it only cost them around $220 million net. Oh, boy, $220 million they spent on the Marvels. $220 million they spent on this movie. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about that. But also, there is another film, another franchise, that is is trying to, to make some kind of a comeback And let's just say it's looking just as bad. Because we have another... I can't believe that, honestly, we're having another one of these. But we are having another Hunger Games movie set to come out. This one's starring Rachel Zegler. Everyone's favorite. Snow White. Everyone's favorite. That movie only projected to open to $35 to $45 million. And yeah. I've crunched the math on that, I've crunched the numbers, and not only would that be the lowest opening in the entire history of the Hunger Games, it, it would be the worst by, by, by a mile. By a country mile. By by quite a bit. By quite a bit. So anyway, those are the topics that we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, of course, just our general movie talk General discussion. I know I can already see a bunch of people asking a bunch of questions about movies getting moved and, and other things like that. And I'll try to address those um, as quickly as I possibly can. We'll go ahead and jump into the chat. Before going any further, though, please make sure you smash that like button. Laugh the fire about Ossian, smash the rumble button as well. We are once again live streaming through EVMUX. I, I tried my first EVMUX stream last week and it, it turned out to be uh, pretty good, I think. It ended up uh, turning out pretty well. I. I'm definitely still getting used to some of the things. One of the things I was able to also do is able to get all of the chats from all of the platforms showing up. So I can highlight the Rumble chat. I can highlight the Odyssey chat. Now this is separate from EVMux, so if anyone out there is like, oh, is EVMux the one the one all be all solution to all alternate tech platforms? No. It is It is definitely not there. It is not there yet, but um, there is a, it's called Stream Ninja. I think VDO is, is a part of the title too, Stream Ninja, and they've got a really cool little little free app that you can use. I guess it's, it's actually just a browser extension, in fact, and what you can do is you can get all of your chats showing up in the same place, and you can highlight them, and last week I was having the issue where the chat was jumping on me. There was actually a setting in there that I believe uh, will have fixed that problem, but Let's go ahead and dive into the chat. So first off, oh sorry, I was gonna say, just about to read my own name there. Uh shout out to Orange Chat. What's going on, Orange Chat? He in, is indeed our our King mod. So do make sure that you are, of course, respectful of his wishes. And I just noticed that something is 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 is, is, is currently wrong. Is currently wrong with one of my uh let's see if I can move this real quick. There we go. Or was it right before? Hmm. Let me see. It is hard to see whether or not that's fixing the issue or making it worse. Ah, I think it's because this is a widget. It's blocking it. All right. Well, anyway... uh Orange Hat, thank you, of course, for being here. He is our king mod. Make sure to follow all of his rules, all of his instructions. Put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin lets me know that you're trying to get my attention. Uh, But I will show this back again for a second. I've just now joined just the other day. Uh, Buy me a coffee. So it's it's a new way of supporting buy me a coffee. And there is integration so that if you are to donate, uh, a little notification thing will pop up. Um, However, now that I realize why, basically that this will cause an issue... Maybe, maybe, maybe I won't be able to have that integration in, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, you can still use Streamlabs, and those notifications should still be popping up. This is what happens when you try new things, though, and also when you, when you have a, a toddler and a newborn, and you're, you're trying to plan things out. So anyway, Orange Chat, thank you very much for being here, good sir, and thank you, as always, for being awesome. All right. Let's see. We got Ryan Liu in the chat. What's going on, Ryan Liu? Let's see. Ryan says, uh, do you think Killer of the Flower Moon will have a drop like Elemental? I don't remember what Elemental's drop was, so if you mean like long-term, meaning uh, making, a mo- making money over the course, over the long-term. Keep in mind, though, that when it came to Elemental, Elemental still did not make its money back. It still ended up being a, a box office failure. So even though it was definitely able to make up a lot of ground uh, compared to what its opening weekend was... Um, you know, I, I think that even if it were to see something of that, something of a similarity there, it would still probably fall prey to the same issue that Elemental did, which was that it cost way too much. So even though it did very well down the stretch, it still was not nearly enough to make up for its, um, not to make up for its, the financial, you know, the the massive financial investment that they made in it with the budget. So Now, do I think that the film has chances of breaking even? At this point, I do not. The other thing that Elemental had that Killers of the Flower Moon will probably not have to the same degree is a international presence. I I mean, it's a three and a half hour Western. There is not a Barbenheimer effect as was the case with Oppenheimer, which was a three and a half hour drama. So I, I I just do not think that that's gonna happen. But I would love to be wrong, Right. In the case of Scorsese, I love Scorsese films. I've not seen the Coast of the Flower Moon. And I saw that someone had already asked this question and I'd already answered it a couple of times over the course of my videos and streams. So it shows that they don't care. They're not a fan. Looking at you, Hardwick, my nemesis. Uh, But right now I have no plans of watching it in theaters because I, I just don't have the time. I cannot spend three and a half hours out of my house with a four week year old at home. Four week year old. Four week old at home and a three year old toddler who's at daycare, but I'm at work. And when I get home from work, I get maybe 45 minutes of a, quote, break. Because I'm also, as soon as I'm getting home, having to help out with the with the baby. So I'm, I don't have three and a half hours to spend outside of my house at this point in time. And that just would not be fair to the wife. All right, let's see. Kagan Rumsky also was calling me out early on because the time was incorrect over on Rumble. It's one of the issues Uh that's one of the main issues I think with any of the streaming platforms is that there's not yet. If, if someone could somehow create a system so that you can create one stream title, one stream, uh, you know, one screen, one stream description, and then have it update all of them at the same time, and you don't have to go to any of the individual settings on any of these sites, oh man, that that would be huge. Master of Gaming, what is going on? We got Icthulu hanging out. Says, good evening, Odin and chat. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you. Thanks for being here. Forever Sci-Fi, who is a member on the channel as well. What's going on, Forever Sci-Fi? Let's see. We got Prince Screen. Says, hi, I'm your newest subscriber, and I love this channel. I was wondering what your thoughts are about Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 2. Moving to 2025. I'm, I'm hurt and I'm crushed, Prince Screen. I, I really am. Uh, though I will say, I, I think that they might be able to make something work with the fact that it's getting a May release. So it's moving from what was it June July so summer essentially of of 2020 uh, 2024 from summer of 2024 to the early summer late spring um, of you know of 2025 and you look and think about how many of the biggest films of the summer have come out during that time slot right during those those last weeks of May so it very well could end up being a good choice for them in, in the long run i I'm angry. I, I don't like it because I hate the fact that I have to wait. There's not a lot of movies that I have to look forward to. And if there's any film that I'm actually I am looking forward to, it would dead it would be Dead Reckoning Part 2. Especially with the fact that they were filming a lot of Dead Reckoning Part One and Two. Right? They they were using a lot of that time so that they could have just a year separation between part one and part two. So I look at that and I think, okay, there must be some financial reason. There must be some uh, complication because of the actor strike um, but even then it's if, if most of the film is done I, I don't see how big of an issue it could honestly be it just it gets to the point where it's just annoying where it's like look I'm already so sick of Hollywood for so many reasons and so when, when Hollywood becomes the reason why the very few things that we have to look forward to in cinemas end up getting delayed and pushed back yeah it, get, it gets frustrating it definitely gets frustrating Let's see. Liberty Fella hanging out over on Rumble. What's going on, Liberty Fella? Hail to you. Says, can Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2 do better than Part 1? Will Part 1 get a re-release? Well, I mean, a lot of films these days get re-releases, so seeing that the writer's strike for lasted as long as it did, and then the actor strike is, is still, you know, is still kicking, there's going to come a point where there's not a whole lot of content set to be released. So be ready for a lot of re-releases to come out. So I would not be surprised if they did one for part one, it's just not going to do very well. I mean, again, I really liked part one. I thought, thought I thought part one was great. I thought directing was a fantastic movie. It's one of my top films of the year. Um, and it was very, very entertaining. I can't wait to get the, the 4K Steelbook, which should be coming. I think the physical media release is coming out in the next few weeks. So I'm very excited for that. At the same time, I also have to recognize that it was a movie that was just not really able to, to move the needle. It had very positive reactions. I mean... Had, you know, if, if you were to go by the metrics that a lot of these so called experts go by, right? Oh, the cinema score was so high. Oh, you know, that's it's like, that's all they care about. And it's like, yeah, sure. Cinema score was great. The exit, you know, for me, I, I care more about the exit data coming from people like, you know, post track and other places. And it was very, very highly praised, but it clearly came out at a time that just didn't work. So, Do I think part two can make more money and can make a bigger box office? I think with the May release, it's possible. I think with the May release, it's possible. Some people might try to go down the wrong rabbit hole of saying, well, because of its release, it didn't get to be an IMAX as long. Again, IMAX and premium format screens make some impact, but it's not the entire thing. All right. You know, Oppenheimer did not make as much money as it did simply because of the fact that it was an IMAX for as long as it was. There's a lot of other factors that came into it, mainly that the movie, because of the Barbenheimer effect, was able to drive out audiences from all demographics, including audiences that up to that point, especially the older demographics, were just not showing up to a lot of movies. And so those are the people that are not just seeing it in IMAX, but are seeing it in the regular 2D showings, seeing the matinee showings, seeing the cheaper cheaper showings, because that's what you need. You need an entire... For a film to be successful these days, one, you need a manageable budget. And in addition to that, you also need to have a a movie that can reach out to, you know, across demographic lines. And not a lot of films have been able to really do that at this point in time. So, and again, I'm not saying that premium screens don't make a difference at all. I'm just saying they're really not that big of a, like, they're not as big as some people try to make it out to be. Again, if a film is good, it's going to do well. Regardless of how long it's out in an IMAX screen. So, anyway, liberty fellow. Hopefully that answered your question. Great Wuda, what's going on? Welcome back. We got Bruce in the chat. Hail to you, good sir. Let's see. Uh, I think I've already said hello to Five A Sci Fi. Let's see, Gimp Life. What's what's going on? Yeah, we're doing math. Gonna do some math. Bruce, tagged to say, but 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 woman power. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about... Remember, remember back in the day... Remember? I remember. Remember back in the day when we we had the Captain Marvel film come out, right? Captain Marvel came out and the projections were looking pretty good and then all of a sudden it it performed even better than expected and it made over a billion dollars worldwide and everyone was like, look, see? That proves the film is fantastic. You had some people go down the really, really, really bad... <laughs> conspiracy theory rabbit hole of, well, Disney just bought a bunch of tickets and just did this or that. It's like, look, if that's something that Disney was doing actively, why haven't they done that for every single one of their movies? You you know, I I guess, were they taking a break at, at, you know, when Ant-Man, the first film came out? (laughs) Did they end up taking a break when uh, Eternals and Shang-Chi came out? Where, you know, Shang-Chi did better than expected, but didn't do the big bucks. Were they taking a break when Black Widow came out? And people can try to come up with excuses, right? Saying, well, this was happening. This was happening. It's like, look, either they are doing it or they're not doing it, right? And they're either doing it to such an extent that it makes a huge difference or they're not. And, and I think that that conspiracy was was easily debunked and just didn't really have much there there to it. What it was actually true, though, what actually was the reason why Captain Marvel made a billion dollars is because it came out March. Endgame came out end of April. And Captain Marvel, in its promotions, was being promoted as this final sh- this final chapter, this final step, the last piece of the puzzle. If you're going to fully understand and appreciate what Endgame is, you have to see this movie. Well, guess what? That's going to drive out people. That's going to drive them out. That That's going to be like the, the setup, right? It, it's like, basically, you're saying, look, because a certain band has a warm-up act for them, and you have a million people, again, I'm obviously, I'm not a big concerts person, but just, you know, hear me out. You have a million people showing up for the concert, and you, and then, so, you know, a hundred million people have bought tickets to a concert. You have a warm-up band, and at that point, when the warm-up band's playing, 800,000 of them are already there. And you're like, 800,000 people showed up to see this warm-up band. Oh, nay, nay. They showed up to see the main attraction, and they just happened to be there. And, you know, depending on what kind of warm-up band you have, you might have some say, oh, I like that. That was actually pretty nice. But then you ask them, hey, are you going to buy their CD? Are you going to follow their music? Most of them will probably say no. What happened with Captain Marvel? Pretty much the same thing, right? It got a lot of that attention. It get a it got a huge boost from that, right? It made over a billion dollars. What did Endgame do? Heck of a lot more than that. Again, Captain Marvel was essentially the warm-up act. And what happened... To this day, no one really talks about Captain Marvel as any kind of memorable movie. Remember, (laughs) I remember, remember when we were tracking the physical media sales of the steelbooks and there were a plethora of Captain Marvel steelbooks still available? Alita Battle Angel could barely keep the stock shelved. But, uh, yeah, I remember. I've got quite a, a wide memory with that one. Alright, let's see. Bruce, trying to say, The Marvels is going to be a content creator's windfall. Probably it will. It probably will make the channels of of Geeks and Gamers and, 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 and Gary and everyone else. Hardwick, I answered that question, so hopefully you were listening this time. <laughs> Kinkane Remsky, trying to say, I hereby nominate, uh, we'd rename The Marvels to The Karens. Maybe I would say like the two Karens. I still, I don't really hate uh, Miss Marvel. I, I find her character to be annoying. Like, don't get me wrong. I think that she's annoying. But she's also just, she's a kid. So I don't like throwing her in the same boat as a, you know, as a Brie Larson, you know? I don't want to show, basically, I don't like showing the vitriol towards her that really shouldn't be. Whereas it you know, towards the other two, okay, makes more sense. All right, Orange Hat. Who's a member says, the newest poison in Hollywood box office is Zegular, <laughs> Zegularitis. Won't last as long as people have started immunizing themselves to her toxins. Yeah, I, I will say, Orange Chat, I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, kudos, good sir. I actually do have an issue. I actually do have an issue. Because I think that there are some people who are trying to argue that Zegler is, is box office poison. I'm sorry, but I just don't think that there is, again, similar to the Captain Marvel conspiracy. I don't think there's really a whole lot of there there. Just because she happens to be in movies that aren't doing well doesn't mean that she's the reason. I think if we're going to say that about anything, you have maybe an argument to be made. Maybe there's an argument to be made when the Snow White Disney film comes out, right? If that film ends up doing really, really poorly... You could definitely say part of that is going to be because of that. But remember, this is a big factor. And sometimes I fall prey to this. Sometimes I I forget this. And I think that sometimes people in our community forget this as well. Normies do not understand or follow this stuff. If you were to ask the average moviegoer, hey, did you see what Rachel Zegler said? Most of them are not going to have any idea what you're talking about. Or they might say, I don't see what's wrong with that. Remember, Barbie made over a billion dollars. All right, Barbie was a massive hit and massive success and that film had out the wazoo radical third-fourth way feminism, garbage. But guess what? Most of the movie most of the women, again predominantly, right? Heavily, 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 heavily female audience. Guess what? Most of them either did not notice somehow or they didn't care. Or in the third category, they agreed. So when it comes to movies, and remember, Hunger Games is a female dominant audience, right? It's, it's more of a predominantly female audience. Um, I will say it's not nearly as much of a discrepancy as with Barbie Barbie. I mean, you're talking there, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I think we could all say what the audience split for Barbie was probably something close to 60, 40, 70, 30. Right? Most movies in general have a standard kind of biased towards men, meaning that most movies have about, what, a 60-40 split of men to women, and that's like the standard, that's the average. Maybe 55-45. So you look at that and you think to yourself, okay, Barbie is at the high end of that. Hunger Games is not nearly as high as that, but it's still definitely, you know, higher skewing in that way. But hey, guess what? That film's not expected to do well either. But I do think, again, I do take issue with She's Box Office Poison because what movies have really come out since some of her most controversial comments have been released and have been given focus on, right? Because Shazam 2 was already a flop, and guess what? Even if she wasn't in the movie, it still would have flopped. You go back to even the likes of the remake they did, right? The Spielberg remake of West Side Story. That ended up being a box office flop, but that's because they spent $100 million on a West Side Story remake that no one asked for. It wasn't because she was in it. In fact, most of the things I heard about it was that she was fine. She, she was good in it. And here's the other thing, too, right? You're not going to hear me kind of get on the bandwagon or get on the. I think a lot of that is misplaced. And I think a lot of it's just not even true, right? I think that anyone out there who's saying Rachel Ziegler is not even a good actress. um, They're the same people who would try to say that she's not a good singer. And it's like, bro, you probably haven't even heard her sing. And if you have, if you, st- if you think that's bad singing, you don't know what singing is. Especially when it comes to musical theater style and and type singing. She's got pipes. I mean, she's cray-cray. She's cray-cray. And I think that she's the kind of person where she needs a wake-up call. She needs a reality check. And I think a box office bomb is a great way of showing that. So that's why I I hope her movie completely bombs and completely fails. But we also have to be honest, too. Right? And I think that we have to, again, and I I know Orange Hat understands this. You know, we always have to be careful and remind ourselves of that objective-subjective dichotomy. Let's see. Abomination! What's going on? Says, oops, forgot to see if it works. Does, does it work? Um, so, yeah. I So, remember that the the at on Odyssey uh, was not working. And so, I don't think it's going to work still. Let's see. Uh, Steven, what's going on? Says, how was your weekend? When do you think the box office will pick up to over $100 million? Um, do you mean like for a single film to get a hundred million dollars or do you mean for an actual weekend to add up to a hundred million dollars because you know let me try and see there's a potential I would actually say there is the potential for us to have a hundred million dollar weekend this coming weekend because finance at Freddy's is projected right now to get somewhere between 56 and 80 million according to box office pro So if that number holds, you still then have the release, or rather I should say you still have then also the numbers for a lot of these Halloween films that are still out. You still have, I believe, the Taylor Swift film should also be available too. Um, After Death, the new film from Angel Studios. It's a very different kind of movie from Angel Studios, but hey, that's still uh, coming out this weekend too. So I think you actually have, technically, I think you have the capacity for us to get to a $100 million weekend domestically. um, If you mean all films that are out. As far as an individual release, according to, let's see, according to Box Office Pro, we are not likely to have one in the next month. If, again, if the numbers hold. If these numbers actually hold. Forever Sci-Fi, who's a member, says, Hunger Games is still a thing? Rachel Zegler has me convinced that Hollywood has found its Harvey Weinstein replacement. Oh, boy. Ugh. I mean, wait a minute. Forever Sci-Fi. Are you trying to... I might be missing the context there. I really hope you're not trying to compare Rachel Zegler to... Weinstein. I just don't think there's a lot of <laughs> anyway. Harvick says ignoring real life matters like her dumb comments. How good of an actress do you think Rachel Zegler is? Um, I think that she's 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 fine. I think that she is she's not an amazing actress. I don't think that she you know has any groundbreaking performances. But from the things that I've seen her in, I think that she does the job that she's supposed to do. I think that she gets from point A to point B basically. She's just that standard acting capacity. It's nothing really special to it. It's, it's very generic. I will say, I do think her singing is phenomenal, though. So I think she's a decent actress. Phenomenal singer. If you've never seen her uh, sing, I, I would actually I would actually recommend it. I think it's good to see a different side of people. Sherry Allen, what's going on, Sherry? How's it going? Steven, as I decided to keep talking to the woman, uh, although she's separated, I won't move forward. Uh, again, Steven, bro... You're the one to keep bringing up, all right? And I'm, I am i can't tell you how to live your life, man. But I'm just going to be honest, dude. I don't think that is... I don't think that's a good move. I really don't think that's a good move. I think... um, I, I guess if, if you mean there that you, you're you going to be talking with her... what? And again, just because she's getting a civil divorce... uh, I, Again, my question is always when it comes to relationships, what is the purpose and what is your goal in a relationship? If your goal is not... To be with that person for the rest of your life. What is the purpose of that relationship? At that point, then, you are just using the other person for your own benefit. I mean, I mean, there's just no other way, really, of, of looking at it, right? So, keeping that in mind, you're dealing with a situation now where someone, at one point in time, because, again, you're, you're saying that she is married currently, at one point in time, she said the words, until death. And it seems that her word does not matter a whole lot. Now, I don't know her situation. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a good thing to get involved with. Again, you brought it up, so I'm going to give you my thoughts. I'm going to give you my honest opinion. Um, I I would say, unless you can just talk with her to stay friends and only friends, I would stay away. But that's just my thought. Uh, Kitty Chow, just like Heath Slater, you got kids. I got kids, man. Yes. Oh, a Heath Slater reference. Man, I haven't, I haven't thought of Heath Slater in forever. I got kids, man. I'm a one-man band. Uh, let's see. Cthulhu, YouTubers propose a black James Bond, but considering Denzel couldn't break 200,000, being an extraordinary actor, do you think the studio will go ahead when three fourths of box office is foreign markets? Um, are you trying to say that they're thinking that Denzel should be James Bond? I mean, I think the issue there was just, I don't think Denzel's young enough anymore to do it. I mean, hey, here's the thing. Not to mention he's, he's not uh, British. But um, don't get me wrong. I'm not as much of a purist as some other people are. I would have no problem with a Denzel uh, James Bond. Because it's Denzel. And I know he would kill it. I also am the same kind of person where I wouldn't have an issue with a Idris Elba James Bond. In that case, because he's British. And he's a phenomenal actor. And I think he would kill it. Um, but I think that the, the boats probably sailed on that one just based off of comments that have been made, uh, by Idris Elba. And also at this point, he probably is a little bit too old for that role. Um, but yeah, if if they go that route, if they decide, and here's the biggest issue, right? Here's the problem with all of it. If, if their conclusion, if their decision ultimately comes down to, okay, we have to cast somebody who happens to be black, like that is just by itself, not going to be well received because then it's oh you're only casting them because of the of the color of their skin. You're not actually trying to find the best person for a role that's going to be able to carry that role into the future, you know? So I think that's actually going to be the bigger issue there and I think that would turn off a lot of people. Um so not only the domestic but I think it would also turn off uh international because remember a lot of the audiences that would have any interest in that kind of a casting probably are not the biggest fans of James Bond. I'm just I'm just trying to be honest there. James James Bond has a very, you know, has an audience and it's not the same exact audience as as Marvel. It's not the same exact audience as the DC universe, right? Um so I don't think it would actually play well with them. Let's see. Rob D. Time to say, "Hello Odin. Is this year a good time to jump on 4K?" Been buying standard Blu-rays since 2012. Been seeing 4K promoted a lot. I mean, I've been on 4K now for years. I've been buying a lot of 4K films. I think that 4K is great. I think now is probably one of the better times than any, especially with Black Friday coming up, because you have to keep in mind that 4K TVs have never been cheaper. And not just that they're cheap, but you can get good quality 4K TVs for not a lot of money. And then the 4K discs themselves have have gone down quite a bit in price. As you said, they're not on sale. I'm seeing similar sales in 4Ks that I did in Blu-rays just... You know, five, 10 years ago. You know, Blu-rays nowadays, you can get a lot of them for five bucks. For 4Ks, you you used to get it where the lowest you would ever find is 10 bucks. Now you're getting it where I've seen some 4Ks down around six or seven dollars. So again, for collectors, especially if it's a film you really like, um, I think now is a good time. Let's see. Abomination over on Odyssey. Says, does Paramount have any non-Mission Impossible movies in the works except for 2025? I think Gary theorized that the studios are pushing movies back because there's going to be a lot of nothing in the theaters otherwise. I don't know. I don't know their release schedule off the top of my head. Um, all right, we're gonna jump back into we're gonna jump into our first bit of news going into the numbers going into the math in just a second. Let me try and get a few more comments though. Uh, again, this was from Great Wuda, who had mentioned this earlier, and I think I kind of responded to him. He said, uh, I disagree. Premium screenings do make a difference. And again, do they make some difference? Yes. Do they make a, a huge difference? I would I would have to say no. I would have to say no. And again, I think it ultimately comes down to it's, it's not it's not the premium format, because, again, premium format is a higher te- is higher price ticket. Having a higher price ticket does not guarantee success. It's the volume of people going to see your movie. So basically, if no one's going to see your movie, it doesn't matter if you have it in IMAX because that means no one's going to see it in IMAX. If a lot of people are going to see your movie, hey, guess what? That means a lot of people are going to see it in IMAX. So again, I think premium does make a difference to an extent. However, if your movie's not selling tickets, it doesn't matter one way or the other in the long term. Uh, print screen that is a thanks for answering my question i totally agree with you about mission impossible dead reckoning i'm looking forward to the uh to in the land of saints and sinners liam neeson but i agree there isn't much else good out now yeah i mean that was really uh talking about mission impossible dead reckoning part two that was one of the few films i was looking forward to for next year and a lot of the films that i was looking forward to this year have just you know not been coming out. I will say that there are two films out right now that have been, um, on my anticipated list. Uh, one of them is dumb money. I really want to see dumb money that I have a much higher chance of seeing dumb money. Um, sometime soon rather than killers of the flower moon Killers of the flower moon. I'm pretty sure I, I'm almost 90% sure I'm waiting for that movie to get released on Apple TV. And again, I'm a big advocate of the theater. You all know this, but practically speaking, three and a half hours out of my house at this point in my life. I just can't. I can't do it, Captain. I don't have the power. Hilariously awful productions. What is going on? Says, new to the channel, but seen you on FNT, Geese and Gamers for a while. Keep up the good work, amigo. Thank you very much, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And and yeah, I think I mentioned that in the uh, box office breakdown this past uh, Sunday, but... Yeah, right now the box office breakdown on Geeks and Gamers is paused. Uh, I know that they are, you know, ge- ge- you know, Jeremy is trying to really focus on specific content for the Geeks and Gamers' main channel. And because he's now making content again on the channel outside of the lives, I think that they're just trying to revamp things a little bit. So it's, it's paused. I don't know exactly what's going to happen with that. But if anyone's wondering... Uh, the box office breakdowns will continue of course and OMB reviews and those I think are the better ones because I do make them longer because I think there's a lot to talk about I always try to curtail if you if you didn't notice before fun fact I would always do the top 1 through 5 films for Geeks and Gamers and then I would do the 1 through 10 and then maybe some extra for for my channel just because again it, it is something I think that's very important for us um, or for in general people on Geeks and Gamers typically would not necessarily want to see a film or a, uh, a video longer than 10, 10, 15 minutes. So anyway, Abomination, yes, indeed, math. I do have that video. which just a little harder to play now. Uh, my bot Heimdall is indeed telling people how to do things. Let's see. Orange Hat says, I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember Disney and Rotten Tomatoes complaining and crashing their site when people were simply saying they were not interested and then spent millions on a defense campaign for Captain Marvel. Yes, that is something that we can say, right? That Rotten Tomatoes did absolutely play favorites behind the scenes and changed their entire system to defend Captain Marvel. That is something that we can know because we saw it happen in real time. Steven says, are you surprised that Deadpool 3 is officially delayed? No. <laughs> Why would I be surprised at anything at this point? I, I mean, think about it. Like, all these movies are going to get delayed because all these actors are still on strike. King Kane over on Rumble says, Disney is going broke and can't afford to buy tickets anymore like they did for Captain Karen. Disney is going down the tubes. King Kane Rumsky, I forgot that you still buy into that conspiracy. Abomination, uh, Marvel should have made Avengers Endgame 2 to follow the Marvels. Uh yeah. But here's the other problem, too, is that Avengers Endgame, that was when they were at their peak. That's when they still had a massive audience, but they've been losing it, man. Like they they've been losing it for a while. All right, let's go ahead and dive into these numbers though. All right, we'll get back into the chat in a little bit. But all right, let's see. There's that smooth transition. All right, so as you can see, these are the box office projections currently for various films coming out in the next week or two. Um, actually, for the next month, that's how Box Office Pro does these numbers. And so, as you can see, first I, I mentioned this, so I'll, I'll briefly talk about it. You know, uh, "Finance at Freddy's" is coming out this week. Right now, the projections are its opening weekend projected to be fifty-six to eighty million dollars. With its total, its projected total range domestically ending somewhere between ninety and one hundred and seventy-two million. So, hey pretty interesting numbers there i think a lot better than what they probably were originally expecting notice how even for box office pro that's a 43% increase a 43% increase from the last time that they did <laughs> that they did an update so that that's a huge increase for its opening and then a 23% increase for the entire range so again pretty good numbers there but the big story is about the Marvels and the Hunger Games, alright? So let's go ahead and look at these numbers, because I think it's important for us to recognize the context and, and some of the history, too, as to why this is such a big deal. So as you can see, the Marvels, according to Box Office Pro, is projected to make somewhere between 50 and $75 million in its opening weekend. Domestically, 50 to 75 million. Now, if you're saying to yourself, that doesn't seem like that's that much, yeah, you'd be right. Remember that the Taylor Swift movie, remember they filmed her concert? That movie opened to over $90 million in its opening. Now, granted, two different demographics, two different kinds of movies. Okay, okay, I'll give you that. Still, 50 to 75 million. So the highest that. At this point, as of the recording of this video, and as of the time that this chart was updated last, they project Marvel's coming out in just a few weeks is going to make upwards of $75 million domestic in its opening. The entirety of its run, they project, is going to reach somewhere around $189 million. So they think the film will get close to maybe $200 million when everything is said and done, and that is only domestic. Remember, this film cost 200 plus million dollars, meaning the film needs to make 500 and what? 540, 506, sorry, 560 to 660 million dollars to break even, 560 to 700 million dollars roughly to break even, and that's just using standard numbers. And remember too that for all we know, the numbers ended up costing a lot more. Now, it does seem based on how the numbers are being reported, the fact that we actually have a, a, an estimated budget plus a uh, tax credit. So, like, we, we got these numbers because of, you know, for tax reasons, essentially. It seems like that number probably is legit. $220 million, though, is whew, way too much. Way too much money. And that's a 2% decrease from the last time that they had any updates. So, that is for the Marvels. According to Box Office Pro for Hunger Games, they are projecting that the Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which, yes, is the longest title, (laughs) is the longest title, projected to open only to $35 to $45 million domestically. So, at best, half of what the Taylor Swift movie did in its opening weekend. A total range of $90 to $142 million. So there is a chance, there is a world where this Hunger Games movie doesn't even crack $100 million domestic. Now, these are, again, the early numbers. By the way, I did mention the Marvels costing $220 million, and again, that stems from the fact, as you can tell from Forbes, that they spent $270 million to actually make the movie. Disney has revealed that it spent more than two hundred and seventy, million, and again, more than two seventy million to make the Marvels. The latest installment... In its Marvel Comics saga. saga, the blockbuster budget is disclosed in company filings released yesterday by Disney subsidiary, which made the movie. They show that over the two-year period from the incorporation of the company, so this is typically the, the stuff that Valiant Renegade, shout out to him. This is the kind of stuff that he's been finding for these films that came out last year, in the last couple of years. And it's been very impressive because he's been showing how they spent basically over well over $100 million dollars. Um, you know, well over hundred million dollars more than what had been initially estimated and initially projected. So from this, though, it says right here they got a fifty-five million dollar subsidy from the government in the UK where the movie was made, and this brought the net spending down to around two hundred nineteen million dollars. Now, what I find is hilarious is that you know, of course, we don't have we don't have the creepy guy over at Forbes anymore. He doesn't work there anymore, um, and so we don't have his box office expertise. But it's interesting because what they say, uh, according to Forbes now, is that the movie needs to make $439 million to break even because, as you know, they get half of the earnings. Okay, so you're just completely ignoring the marketing cost then. <laughs> oh, okay, Caroline. Carol. I'm going to call you Carol over at Forbes. But anyway, those are the numbers, right? So two thirty-five million. 45 million dollars domestic is the projections for Hunger Games Battle of the Songbirds and Snakes Marvel's 50 to 75 million. Now let's go a bit let's go into history, okay? Captain Marvel 2019, right, made a billion dollars, 1.1 billion dollars. Much and the vast majority of the reason why it did that was because it was the precursor to Endgame, right? It was essentially the warm-up act for Endgame, and sure enough, it was able to, to do quite well because of that very reason. $1.1 billion with an opening weekend of around $153 million. Now, hopefully you kind of see where I'm getting at already. $153 million? Wait a minute. But right now, the the, the projections for the sequel are are only 50 to 75. So we're, we're talking about quite a discrepancy there. It gets even worse, though. Let's dive into some ticket sales here for a second. Now, please, uh, you know, uh, excuse the, the, you know, how crude this, this chart actually is right now. In fact, let me see if I can just increase that for a second. All right. So as you can see, right, I have a chart here. I've not completed this chart yet. So again, apologies for the errors that are popping up. But I've done some of them. All right. So this is the history of the MCU in the box office. Adjustment for inflation. But also looking at the estimated ticket sales for these movies too so when it came to the first iron man movie right that came out in 2008 the budget adjusted for inflation 267 million dollars so again quite expensive definitely not the most expensive film they've ever made though but still they, they spent quite a bit on that one so uh, and that and that was where i believe the paramount days as well so hey quite a pretty penny was spent on that movie but guess what the movie still holds up the movie holds up very well the effects still hold up well so clearly they did a good job spending their money there, right? Now, if you look to the opening weekend, right, the opening weekend for Iron Man, when you adjust, is worth today $147 million. Now, if you maybe don't care for inflation or if that triggers you, let's talk then about the ticket estimates. So based off of how much tickets cost back in 2008, we can estimate that that opening weekend alone the movie sold around 14.2 million tickets. So that is taking the overall opening weekend and dividing it by the average ticket price. In my charting, I have all the numbers just for inflation, which just means it cancels itself out. And so therefore you still get the same number anyway, as far as ticket sales are concerned. So 14.2 million tickets sold for Iron Man 1. Compare that to The Incredible Hulk. Now The Incredible Hulk, up until recently was the only MCU film to ever be a flop, to ever be a failure. Because it cost just under $200 million in today's dollars, and it only made $79 million domestic in its opening weekend. So just compare that to the numbers for Iron Man. Iron Man made twice as much money. Iron Man sold twice as many tickets in the same year. So Incredible Hulk has always been seen as being one of those bottom-of-the-barrel films Financially speaking, I personally think it's a good good film, a good movie, but the numbers are what they are. Now, what's really interesting is that you then jump ahead a bit to 2015 to another film that is on the low end of the box office scale, and that is Ant Man 2015. All right, Ant Man 2015 only opened to an adjusted $74 million. So, again, that is still one of the smaller opening weekends. Right, one of the smaller domestic opening weekends for an MCU movie. That roughly estimates to be around 6.7 million tickets. All right. So 6.7 million tickets is the average that we can look to for its opening weekend specifically. Right. And again, we're just talking here about the opening domestic weekend. All right. Now let's go to 2019's Captain Marvel. All right. So Captain Marvel, we were like, oh man, that that film was amazing, right? Adjusted for inflation. Guess what? That, that $150 or so million, dollars today that would be worth around $185 million. So, okay, kudos to you for being able to, to, to have a successful opening weekend in that way, right? 16.7 million tickets sold. Hey, that's even more tickets domestically sold than the first Iron Man movie in its opening weekend. Now, Iron Man, it was the first MCU movie. Uh, you obviously had a lot of comic fans out yet, but the, the normie audience had not really warmed up to the concept of the MCU or to the concept of Marvel comic movies. That was especially I think shown with the Incredible Hulk not doing nearly as well. Obviously if Incredible Hulk had come out just a few years later, that opening weekend would have been a lot better because that name recognition for the MCU and that excitement level that was built up over time. remember, that trust was built up, right It took time for them to be able to build up that trust for people to be able to be looking forward to these films. So 16.7 million for Captain Marvel, all right for the first film. Now let's jump to modern day. All right. So remember, Ant Man as a franchise has always been on the low end of things, and and guess what? What you see from that is Quantum Mania 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 opened to one hundred and six million dollars in its domestic opening weekend, which accounts for only eight point one million tickets. Ant Man the Was Quantum Mania was also a box office failure by today's standards. So if Ant Man the Was Quantum Mania is a box office failure by today's standards. And go ahead and look at what the Marvels is projected to do, right? 75 million, remember that is the high-end people. 75 million from box office pros numbers is right now the highest estimate. Now this could change. Theoretically, we could end up seeing a higher opening weekend domestically for the movie. But we'll have to wait and see on that. But let's assume the high-end of $75 million for its domestic opening. In today's market, with tickets costing roughly $13 on average, that would be only 5.7 million tickets sold. And that's an estimate. That's a projection. 5.7 million tickets in its domestic opening. Not only then would that be a worse opening than Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, not only would that be a worse opening than the first Ant-Man film from 2015, right, based off of ticket sales specifically, it would also be lower than the first box office flop in MCU history, which was The Incredible Hulk, so I have obviously not done the rest of the films, but we all know the other films have done a lot better than these other ones, right, I'll even pull up just to show you all a bit of a comparison here, right, because over time I will be adding these numbers in, but let's see the numbers that I have not added in, right, for opening weekends, right, so Thor, 65 million, that's higher than The Incredible Hulk, okay, if an Incredible Hulk beats it, then Thor would definitely beat it too. Same thing with Captain America, the First Avenger. Uh, Thor: The Dark World at $85, 95 Right, so we're still talking there. ant Man and the Wasp, as I just mentioned, also already beats it. Uh, and really, you would have to get to the Eternals. But remember, the Eternals opening weekend was seventy-one million dollars, and the average ticket price in twenty twenty-one is not as high as it was as it is now. So you would still also see. Guess what? Captain Marvel 2, the Marvels, projected to have less opening tickets, opening weekend tickets sold, versus Eternals. That is how bad these numbers are. That is how bad these projections are for the Marvels. So it is not looking good at all for them. Couldn't happen to a nicer company. Now, we'll just jump also and quickly talk about the Hunger Games as well. So Hunger Games, right, I was able to do all these films since there's a lot less of them. So if you look at the first film in the franchise back in 2012, opening weekend domestic around 19 million tickets. All right, 19 million tickets, that's about 200 million dollars plus to, you know, when you adjust for inflation. A huge movie. A very, very big film, right? You then compare that to the second movie, Catching Fire, also 19 million tickets. All right, 200 plus million. Now notice though, once you get into the final films when they decided to split it into two different movies, you see a bit of a drop off here, right? You go from the 19 million tickets sold, an estimated opening weekend, to 14.9 domestic, right? 14.9 million tickets domestic for part one. Part two drops again to 12. So this has been a franchise on the decline, right? And even people that are fans of the movie say, yeah, the last films are not nearly as good, right? Now let's look at where the Rachel Zegler starring Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes is landing, $45 was the high end, according to Box Office Pro. You know what that would be as far as ticket sales in today's market? 3.4 million tickets. So not only is the Marvels, right? Not only is the Marvels right now projected to be the worst performing opening weekend domestically in the entire history of the MCU if we look at ticket sales and not too far off if you look at just raw numbers there. And Hunger Games' Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is also projected to be the worst opening by not just a little bit, but by a huge portion. Again, the last film making 12 million tickets, this one only 3.4 million tickets. Oh boy, it is gonna be a bloodbath at the box office for a lot of these movies. But what say you? What say you? Let's go ahead and dive back into the chat. All right. Abomination says, Zeglar sounds more like a Tosis. Zegler Tosis. <laughs> okay. Uh, Abomination, I do ask if you can just put the name Odin uh, at the beginning of your comment if you want me to read it. That would help me out a lot. All right, let's see. Icthulu. Icthulu is a member, says, Zegler is a trash actor. Watching her in Shazam was like watching a high school student try to act besides professionals abysmal. I'm sorry, dude, her acting was not that bad in that. The movie was bad. The writing was bad. So I think that you probably had a better better argument to say that the writing, the words that she was saying were so bad that it just did not come across well, because guess what? No one really looked good in that movie, because the writing was bad. The writing was trash. I mean, again, I'm not saying that she is a phenomenal actress. I'm not saying that she is... Someone that's going to blow you away because of her talent and her performance. No, what, what I'm saying is that I I think ultimately she is a decent actress, but a, a phenomenal singer. Uh, YouTube me, what's going on? Welcome back. And again, if you have a comment or question, just put at Odin the very beginning of your comment. Uh, let's see. Abomination says, okay, say no more. I got you. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. And again, you don't even have to put the at underscore Odin. If you just put the name Odin, I'll know you're talking to me. All right. See, Kili Chow, and that's just for abomination. That's a perk for him being the only person ever on Odyssey. Uh, Kili Chow had to say, the crazy hot matrix exists because of women like her. Wayward Noodle, what's going on, brother? Welcome back. He's a member saying, hail chat, hope everyone is well. Sorry, I'm late. No problem. Kimberly G, what's going on, Kimberly G? Also a member. I honestly don't think I'll be going to the theater until next year. Hey, I, I can't say I'd blame you. Can't say i blame you. This new time is messing with me. I'm sorry. I really am. Uh, But yeah, I mean, baby Thor, his new bedtime has moved up a half hour. So he's now going to bed around seven. And uh, with with, uh, baby Sif, of course, as well, Uh, around nine is when she's having her last feeding. So it's actually, technically, this is also not the best of times to be streaming, to be honest, because we've been trying to get a a better routine of... Of giving her a bath uh, and uh, and and then giving giving her her final feed, uh, but obviously you know things are what they are at this point. But yeah, I appreciate everyone for bearing with me as we move to having <laughs> as we as we move to having uh, a more consistent show time. So. Abomination, thank you very much for letting anyone who might be over there know. Forever Sci-Fi says, no, I'm just saying that Zegler suddenly came out of nowhere and became the next big thing. Uh, I mean, I guess, I honestly think Forever Sci-Fi that a lot of a lot of her quote-unquote fame has probably more so been because of like the YouTube community, more so than anything else. I, I mean, because if you think about it, she was in West Side Story, right? She was Maria in West Side Story. And since then, she has been a supporting character in Shazam 2. And she's going to, I guess you could say, she's going to be the lead in this new Hunger Games movie. I, I honestly just don't think that she has had as big of a, a rival a, as I think it's perceived to be. The big thing, of course, is, is you know, that she was cast as Snow White, right? And I think that it's less so that she's the next big thing and more so that because of her notoriety... um. You know, because of her notoriety through her comments in regards to the role of Snow White, it got her a lot of attention. And I think that is what's really kind of blown her up because she actually was doing pretty well, gaining an audience on, I think, Instagram is where she primarily uh, is on social media. And a lot of it's because of a lot of she's kind of like an to be honest, she's kind of like an AOC. She's like the AOC of acting. Um in, in respect to the fact that she knows and understands social media quite well and has a huge following, a huge presence. But guess what? A lot of that presence came from her singing. A lot of it came from her singing. Let's see. Steven tag say, will you be watching the Marvels and review it for us just to see if maybe Marvel can make a comeback? Okay, here's the thing, Steven. It's, it's never, ever going to be watched by me with that in mind. There's no chance in heck that the Marvels is making a comeback and there's no chance in heck that that's the movie that's going to be their comeback. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> come on. Now, am I going to watch it? Depends on how long it is. Um, and and uh, if the showtime works as well, right? It's not just runtime, but it's also, you know, showtimes. And most likely if Gary makes us, if Gary uh, assigns it for homework uh, for Friday Night Tights. Because I have no desire to see it, General Wingster. Hello there. Why are we talking about? Uh, why are we talking about talking to currently married women? Says General Wingster. You you, you haven't been following the the saga of, of Stephen. You have not been following his saga. See, Harvey says I've been saying for the past fifteen years that Jude Law is the best possible casting for James Bond. But me might be a little too old now. Unfortunately, I mean I think he could work. I, I like Jude Law too. I think that could be fine, but yeah. Kimberly G is right. I would have to watch the Marvels for FNT, Gary's homework, probably. And again, the only thing that could get me out of it is if the runtime is long enough to where any showtime just can't work. Let's see, Cthulhu. Tied to say, yes, just talking about casting a black actor, no matter how good as James Bond. Yeah, and again, that, that is ultimately what it's going to come down to. If they cast a really good actor who happens to be black, hey, maybe you have a chance there, right? It would be even better if you have a, an actor that actually can, you know, <laughs> can actually perform, can can actually act, right? Um, and maybe even has, like, a following, right? Even has has an audience that they can maybe bring with them to a certain extent. Sherry Allen's had to say, I'm good. Spent the three weekends catching up with relatives. That's always nice. Master Gaming says, are you excited for The Beekeeper? Can't say I am. I, I think I've maybe seen the trailer for it, but... I wouldn't say it's it's on my top list at this point because I honestly I can't even remember. Kimberly G says, as long as James Bond doesn't turn into Jane Bond. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? James Bond is a British man. So that that's that's my stand. I know that other people, more hardcore fans, might have a different standard, but when it comes to me, James Bond, he is a British man. That that that's always been just the general perception. So I think that as long as you're sticking with that, the other things don't matter as much. They might matter still a little bit, but not as much. Uh, the R, what's going on, brother? Welcome back. Again, if you have a comment or question, just put at Odin. If you have comment, at Odin, Let's nice know you're trying to get my attention. Hilariously Awful Production says, where are y'all finding these 6-7 DVD bins for movies that are straight to DVD crap, Walmart, Goodwill? Uh, a lot of it is on Amazon, to be perfectly frank. Uh, if you There's a great app called My Movies. It's from Blu-ray.com and they have and so it's an app where you can follow deals and sales and so it'll tell you what the latest sales are what the hottest sales are uh the most popular sales and you can have it uh you can have it decipher or, or rather you can have it break it down by from whether it's from best buy whether it's from amazon whether it's from walmart whatever it might be but yeah there were a bunch of movies that were on sale and that doesn't mean that every 4k or that good 4k is necessarily are going to be that cheap but they do exist and also i mean dvds brother DVDs, come on. DVDs, we don't we don't talk about those. All right. Master of Gaming, Tand to say just because Oppenheimer did well doesn't mean Killers of the Flower Moon will be successful. Yep, that's that's the whole point of what I was saying. Master of Gaming, as I said, Oppenheimer had the Barbenheimer effect. I don't think we give that nearly enough credit as we should, uh, because there was a fair amount of crossover between those movies. Uh, people who went to go see Barbie who would never ever have thought about going to see Oppenheimer, went to see Oppenheimer and spent money on it because of the meme. Um, it's, it's one of those rare circumstances that that actually works in a, a rather organic day. Uh, Steven had say, I'm sure you've noticed box office movies slowly are releasing early the day before opening night. You think we will witness opening moving night be two days early? No, I mean, Steven, bro, like that, that's been around forever, man. So movies have in, in the recent era last like 20 years. Movies have almost always had a midnight opening. All right, that, that used to be the standard. It used to be the midnight opening. Now you have, uh, and that, that's a, that's just a general standard. Now you have a standard that is shifting. So in general, you'll have maybe a 6 p.m. showing or a 7 p.m. showing. If it's a very long movie, you might have a 4 p.m. showing. But that's pretty much it. Now you might be saying, well, I've seen some movies debut on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Usually that's because of a holiday. Normally that's because there's some holiday where they're trying to take advantage of people being off at a specific time. And so they might open it early then. So I don't think to answer your question though, I do not think we're going to see as standard an opening night being earlier than Thursday um, consistently. So again, you'll still have the random film because of a holiday or something like that that might get an opening earlier in in the week. But in general, and the reason why ultimately comes down to also uh, trends and and habits. There's There's a reason why, for instance, movie theaters started doing Discount Tuesdays. They started doing Discount Tuesdays because Tuesdays were notoriously one of the worst days at the box office. No one would go to see movies because people are working. You know, Monday always had a little bit of a higher number because you had all the people going to see new movies on that on that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then you had just a little bit, you know, carrying over. By Tuesday, that used to just be dead, right? By Tuesday, the numbers was gone. So they started offering the discounts because that drove more people to go see the movies at the theaters, right? So they were able to, to make money off of concessions and things like that. Um, but anyway... Hopefully that makes sense. Master Gaming says just because Barbie made a billion dollars doesn't mean that Marvels and Hard games, Ballad of Songbird Snakes, will as well. That I, I don't know if that is just you stating that or or what because I just said that and I actually said that's not that's not going to happen. So I don't know why you tagged me in that. Um, is is kind of the point I'm trying to get at, Master of Gaming. Slow down, brother. Uh, liberty fellow who is over on rumble thanks for hanging out over there liberty fella it's always good to have someone it's always good to have someone keeping King and Rumsky um some company over there liberty fella says will mission impossible dead reckoning re-release part one to pump up excitement that maybe i mean we've seen that happen a lot i i honestly think that they would be smart to in 2025 maybe the the week of its release if they were to do a fan screening or a fan event showing all of the Mission Impossible movies, that could be cool. Now, I don't think necessarily you're going to have a huge portion of people going to show that show up to that, but yeah. All right. Let us see. By the way, thank you all again for being here. 47 people still watching on YouTube. You guys are rocking it. Smash the like button, like the fire button, and I see as well. We still got about 20 minutes or so. Let's see. Fand Fandy? Vendiva says every member makes me LOL. Every member makes me LOL. I need the context there. Let's see. Rob D says, did that NPC Tony from deadline ever congratulate you on the birth of your daughter? No, he didn't. No, he did not. Abomination to say, I'm going to laugh if FNAF makes more money than anything Disney or Marvel. Uh, FNAF getting that much money... Oh, Friday Nights at Freddy's. Okay, first I was like, what? Okay, context is key. Yeah, if Friday Nights at Freddy's... Yeah, kind of going back to that a little bit. By the way, Master of Gaming, slow down. I see you in the live chat, brother. I'm not there yet. I'm at 8.07, and it's 8.34. So, just as I I always say, I'm 20, 30 minutes behind, because I do read the comments and chats, but you need to slow down, dude. You need to slow down, Okay. All right, let me see if I can find that number again. Yeah, so the projections for Five Nights at Freddy's is 56 to 80 million opening, 90 to 172 total. Yeah, so there is indeed a world where Five Nights at Freddy's makes more domestically than both Marvel's and Hunger Games. And in fact, there is a higher chance... Actually, there's if the numbers hold, it's guaranteed that Five Nights at Freddy's makes more than Hunger Games. <laughs> so there's a decent chance, there's a decent chance that *Finance of Freddy's* makes more domestically overall than *Cat* than the Marvels. But there is a higher than likely chance that that it does that compared to *Hunger*. I agree, uh, *Abomination*. I agree. I, I'm gonna laugh as well, and it's gonna be freaking hilarious. It's gonna be so funny. All right. So *Forever Sci-Fi* on YouTube says. Uh, sitting in a theater for the Swift movie sounds like a complete hell. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I hear you, Snow Gollum, what's going on, Snow Gollum? Welcome back to Odyssey. Hardwick tagged to say, I'm surprised there wasn't much talk about no one will uh no one will save you when it released on Hulu. It's similar to Prey, but significantly better for the most part, except for the arg- for the arguable ending. Yeah, I saw you I saw you tag me in that, dude. So there's no need to bring that up again, man. So it's 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 on my list. I might check it out. I may not check it out, but saying it's like prey to me doesn't really sell it all that well. Let's see. King and Rumsky tried to say, I'm being slow again. Who is the creepy guy at, at Forbes? Who is the creepy guy at Forbes? Scotty Boy Mendelssohn? You don't remember you don't remember Scotty Boy? Scotty Boy? So so creepy. Hashtag error is an interesting trend. There's an error going on. 404 server not found. I hope there's no issues going on. I need context. Jim Watson, what's going on? Welcome. JS Penny, time say, sorry, I'm late. I just came to say hi. Well, hello. Welcome. Liberty Fella on Rumble, time to say, for a terrific and balanced discussion of Brie Larson learning some humility, go catch Critical Drinker Open Bar number 69. Well, I shout out to Critical Drinker. Always, always a good time with him. I think that he is he's fantastic. And uh, that's good to hear. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that he's one of those guys that I would trust to have that kind of conversation or to mediate that kind of conversation or at least have people on that would be able to have it. You know, I, and you, I think a lot of y'all have kind of already noticed this, that, you know, I've, I've very much fallen away from being more focused on like the instantaneous daily updated news and again the, the people that cover that stuff they're doing this for a leave it living right either now or have always been doing it for a living so to me it makes sense that you need to cover the controversial stuff you need to have the hot takes you need to have the the the, the high reactions because a lot of it's coming from a genuine place um and whenever I did it, too, in the early days of the channel, it was, again, coming also from a genuine place of frustration. But I also fully admit that I was going out of my way trying to find those stories, right? Trying to find those things that frustrated me and stuff. And I got to a point where I just I, I just couldn't keep up with it. And luckily, over the course of that same time, I found myself loving talking about the box office, loving still talking about movies and and doing my reviews. And uh, I've, I think I've really fallen into a much better and more healthy pace for me. As someone I, again, I mention this all the time. I, I do this for fun. I, I do this as a hobby, and it is a darn fun one. And it's it's fun to be able to talk movies with y'all. It's fun to be able to talk box office with y'all too. And uh, and I love it. Not to get too mushy, but you guys are great. All right, let us see. Let us see again if you have a comment or question at Odin at the very beginning of the comment. No matter what platform you're on, with the one exception being Odyssey. Just put the name Odin in that situation. In that situation. Hardwick at 819 said, Chris Gore complained that the Taylor Swift movie ruined the movie he was watching in the theater since the sound bled through from an adjoining room. Oh, that's awful. I would actually, if I was Chris Gore, I I totally understand his sentiments of, of blaming Taylor Swift's movie. I would be angry at the theater because the fact that the theater did not have a setup, did not have the structure within itself to be able to provide an isolated experience for everybody. So, and if there's an open door too, it sounds like that was a preventable issue. It was always frustrating when you're in maybe independent film or a slower drama. And you happen to be next to a much larger theater. That is an action movie. And you can, if you can't at least, if you can't hear the movie, you can maybe feel the vibrations of, of of the sound system and stuff. It's like, come on guys. Uh, let's see. Thulu tried to say, no, the other kids were great with what they had to work with. She was awful. I, I again, I just dis- disagree. I think that the writing was just all around bad. I don't think that she um I don't think that she was objectively bad. Let's see. Abomination says this is awkward. The at doesn't work on his stream software, so we just have to put Odin or something similar. Yeah, just put just put the name Odin at the very beginning of the comment. Like like you're like like you're having a conversation with me. You're just like hey. You're just like Odin. Blah blah blah. Just on Odyssey though, since and basically what it means is when you put the at Odin essentially on Odyssey, because what this is doing this extension that I'm using, it's I have the chats open in other windows. And that, that's how it works. So it's just capturing that chat, and then it's pretty amazing that it does this. It captures that chat and then puts the text on the screen. Uh, And so, for some reason, when it comes to Odyssey, it's just not able to capture the at symbol there. I don't know why, but... So... Let us see. Hardwick. to say, working for Spielberg probably opened doors for Rachel Zegler. Alden Ehrenreich in Solo, and Hannah John Kamen in Ant-Man and the Wasp both got their roles after being recommended by Spielberg. Yeah, that's probably a part of it. And there are a lot of people here's again another one of these things that we have to admit there's a lot of people that like her i mean i i find her to be detestable and despicable and so do a lot of people that i know but she has a lot of fans she has a lot of people that are willing to come to bat for her they have a lot of people that that, that just really like her and I, and I go back to this she's been able to build a pretty strong social media presence and a lot of it is because she is a very very good singer i can't i can't stress that enough It really, honestly, is impressive. KKN Rumjki says, Do you think there will ever be a movie where James Bond meets Ethan Hunt? Probably not. Though it's it's nice to dream. Harwick says, Do you use an Amazon price tracker? I use one called Keepa. I don't. Um, I, again, I use the, I was going to say, the My Movies app from Blu-ray.com. There's a tracker you can have. So if you, if you care that much about a movie you can actually have it set so that when it reaches a certain threshold it will send you an email saying hey by the way the movie that you've been watching has reached the number you wanted it to reach that sweet spot and then you can go and get it um, but also i'm on that app any every day so it just doesn't you know bother me Burnt to toast space girlfriend interesting name there says not gonna lie i want to see flower moon the book was brutal i hear the movie is brutal See, Master Gaming says, How well will After Death from Angel Studios do opening weekend? Probably not all that well in comparison to Sound of Freedom or to the other films uh, that are out there. We don't have any numbers, and it's it's the kind of movie that there's just not going to be a lot of... uh, an easy way to have it as a metric. Remember, After Death is not going to be the same kind of movie. I think, from what I can remember, After Death is more of a, I think, documentary. Um... Let me see. Based on real near-death experiences, After Death explores the afterlife with guidance of New York Times best-selling authors, medical experts, scientists, survivors that shed light. Yeah, so it's a documentary. So, I mean, again, that is already going to bring it down a notch. Documentaries just do not do as well. In general. So, I think that you might have... The film is definitely going to do better than what anyone would expect because it is that same studio. And so, because they've built up some goodwill from sound of Freedom and because now their name is going to be recognized by at least a certain portion um, of that demographic, but it, it's I, I can't I can't see it doing anywhere close to the numbers of sound of freedom because again, sound of freedom was a drama. So even though it was exposing something that is disgusting but also is real and is true, and I think people wanted to be able to, you know help share that message and help, try to become a part of, of a solution and try to become a part of something that can you know help to stop it. When it comes to after death, one is documentary. Two, it is dealing with the subject of death, which is not something that everyone is is either interested in or comfortable with. So yeah, I don't think it's going to be as well. Master Gaming, how well do you think freelance will do opening weekend, both freelance and after death? I haven't even heard of it. So I again based on the fact when when Box Office Pro does not even have a estimate for it, it means probably not a whole lot. I mean, they have some movie from A24 called Priscilla, and that's expected to do 3 to $8 million. So since A24 has become kind of notorious for being able to market their movies effectively, I mean, Relativity Media for freelance, I, I just can't see any. I, I don't think it's going to make that much of a splash at all. And then I saw that you doubled that, double posted that for some reason. So again, chill out, dude. Let's see. Icthulu uh, is a member says, "Finance of Fridays would be what the fourth uh, would be what the fourth successful video game movie translation." I'm cheering it on. Yeah, I mean it's a fair point. That's actually a fair point about video game adaptations and and starting to make money. Abomination says, "Odin, the error was that spreadsheet with the numbers, and since it starts with a hashtag, I was joking at the trending in Twitter." Oh, okay. Yeah, context is very very important, dude. And he says, "Sorry, X. Please forgive my dead naming the benevolent platform." <laughs> well, hey, it's it's better than Carrie Smith. Shout out to Carrie Smith. Uh, by the way, check out her channel, uh, Deprogrammed with Carrie Smith. I was on her channel with some amazing co-host last week where we talked about the Jesus Revolution. I have not finished the movie yet, but from what I saw of it, I did like it. I thought it was better than I, what I thought it was going to be, and we had a really good discussion. On on faith and a discussion on the movie and, and other things related to it, but I mentioned her because she had created a thumbnail and and showed it to us before she posted it, and uh, and she had she had my old channel name and I was like, how dare you dead name me like that? Let's see, Hardwick had to say about a month ago, M4 released a revised edition of his Hobbit uh, book edit that improves it even more, especially the Battle of the Five Armies portion. Look, I like it. I, I like that version. I like that um, that cut of the movie. But in all honesty, it's still not something I really have the desire to watch again. I, I, I just, I, even with all the improvements, and it's vastly superior, Hardwick. It is vastly superior. Uh, for those wondering, this is a fan edit of the um, Peter Jackson Hobbit trilogy. That was so, again, the, the, the trilogy that was so overly long and overly bloated in every way. And this was a version that was edited by a fan who cut out all of the garbage that's not in the actual book. So that's a quite that's quite a lot. And also cleaned up some stuff, cut out a lot of the really bad CG because that, a lot of that was in some of these extra things. Here's the issue, though. A lot of the CGI is still not good because he overused it in the movie. Um, so even though if I if I had to watch it or if I had any interest in watching it again, I would, of course, be watching the M4 version. I don't have as much of an interest to re-download and, and re-access it in that way. Let's see. Jeremy Zikowski, what's up, brother? If you think Taylor Swift film was bad enough, we got Beyonce's Renaissance film coming up this December. Oh no. No. Well, here's the funny thing. Hot take. I think Taylor Swift's film is going to end up being uh, a bigger hit. I don't think Beyonce's film is going to do nearly as good as Taylor Swift's. Hot take. Rob D. How are Tina and Stephanie B doing? Do you communicate on social media outside of YouTube? Good question, uh, Rob D. So Tina is on our Discord server, so she has her own channel where she is constantly keeping people updated and also talking about movies. Unfortunately, she is being berated a bit by... (laughs) Not berated. But let's just say that there's someone on our Discord who it's almost every day when I'm checking in to see what she's saying and, and seeing what's going on. I have to also sift through a bunch of just random comments and questions being directed towards her, even though it's it's known that she can't see very well. Um, I'm always like, oh, what are you doing, dude? Anyway, uh, so Tina's there. 70B, I have actually not I've not talked to. I have not actually talked to 70B in quite a long time. And it's, it's because she got very, very busy with her work. And so she's just out of it. She just decided to get out of the YouTube game altogether. Um, and so she is is just not really active there. Um, I think she might still have an Instagram. But yeah, I, I've not heard from her directly in quite some time. She's just been, again, really, really busy. And I think she also took that as an opportunity to say, hey, look, I just took taking on a lot more responsibility. I can't, you know, I can't continue what I'm doing. And so I'm just going to, you know, kind of try to have a clean clean slate, as it were. Again, obviously no no tension between us or anything like that. But I think it was more of like she wouldn't have the time for it anyway. And so she decided just to move on. Uh, Orange had to say, I'll be taking my leave in a few. Got to get ready for the bar room at 9 p.m. Will you have fun? Good, sir. The Real Life Perspective Show. What's up? Welcome. Uh, Hardwick had to say... Is it strange that my reaction to the clip where Rachel Zegler said weird weird was, wait, she's saying is dumb and annoying, but those facial expressions are adorable. (laughs) Well, again, I think that you're also kind of getting onto, you know, the the concept that I've been trying to talk about here, which is that she is well-liked by a lot of people. Right. And I think a lot of it's because a lot of people have the perception of, oh yeah, she's on Instagram and she's always singing and it's so adorable, etc. Now, if you're in the know with this stuff, we know the kinds of things she said. We know that personality is a huge part of whether something, whether someone is attractive or not, right? And I think a lot of people look to her and they look at the things that she said and the way she said it and say, that just looks ugly, right? Um, but again, that's not what the reality is outside of our space. And I think that there is... A place for us having a much more nuanced conversation about these things so all right abomination says but beyonce was in awesome powers which is also the only thing i know her from so there's no way her movie won't be a bigger success yes because you know as a fact that you're going to have the massive fan base for awesome powers coming out to support the beyonce movie because everyone loves awesome powers 3 because of beyonce I mean, look, my wife's a mega fan of Awesome Powers and especially of three. I don't think it's the best of the, of the three personally, but she's always had a very strong connection to it. I think it's because I think that may have been the first one she saw. She saw it in college with her friends. You know how that goes, right? You have a movie that you watch with your friends, and so then it becomes like extra special for that. But then eventually she saw the other ones and thought they were funny too. I've always loved the – I love the first one. Probably the most because that was again it was the OG. two is still really good though and and they are able to use time travel in a very um, in a very entertaining way, I think. So yeah but even my wife, kind of going back to that main point, even my wife who loves the third one doesn't really care much for beyonce. her, her acting is not good. <laughs> Jeremy Zakowski. Uh, let's see. Beyonce film is going up against Godzilla minus one. So I think we may have a new meme. Ooh, Zakowski, Hey, don't, uh, don't put that down. The one issue though with Godzilla minus one, and I think that there is the potential for this to maybe hold Godzilla back is, and correct me if I'm wrong, isn't Godzilla minus one going to be a, um, isn't that going to technically be a foreign language film? Because aren't we... I'm pretty sure that that's being produced and released, yeah, by Toho, language Japanese. So here, here's the thing. On paper, I would hope, and I would love for Godzilla minus one to be able to, to be able to beat something like the Beyonce movie. But I got to be realistic and practical here. All right, that does create a barrier, right? When you do have a foreign language film, of which this movie will be, there is still gonna there is gonna be separation there. There are gonna be people who are like, I don't want to go see a movie with subtitles. Lord knows they'll probably have multiple releases where there's going to be a subbed version and a dubbed version, and then there's going to be that online perennial debate over which is better, which is the most powerful. As you all know, I definitely think that, for the most part, watching a subbed version is better because you get to hear the actual actors in the actual original language, and context that is oftentimes lost in the English audio translations is usually still preserved in the English um in the English subtitles. I don't know why they can't do it that way, where they can't have the dubbed version be the exact reading of the English subtitles, because there is typically a difference, at least from what I've seen in the times that I've seen them. But that is gonna create a barrier still. And I think that because of that, I I would not be surprised to see Beyonce maybe take, take take that battle. I don't want that to happen. And Lord knows you have a huge portion of our community here on YouTube be fully supportive of Godzilla minus one and try to promote it. So who knows? But based off of that initial thoughts, probably, probably Beyonce has an edge. Let's see. Hardwick says, do you remember awesome power scene with Tom Cruise? I do. Oh, I do there. It's again it is very funny. The number of cameos and the people they were able to get. Oh, boy. Abomination has an idea for a meme for the weekend of Beyoncé and Minus One saying, Beyazilla? Beyazilla. Beyazilla. Ooh, I like that better. Hashtag Beyazilla. Though that kind of sounds like a demon, so I don't know. (laughs) Maybe we should avoid that. Let's see. Snow Gollum, uh, thanks for tagging, brother. He says, What besides a good singing voice, Zegler, to me, smells like a rotten apple. Again, that's the only thing I really say. I think that, again, acting ability... She's decent. She's not great. She's not phenomenal. She's decent. And then singing voice, I think think she's fantastic. I really do think that she has a lot of talent there. Hardwick, are there any musicians or bands whose tour movies you would actually look forward to? Not really. I don't... I'm already someone that doesn't do concerts, really. I've been to... I could put probably on one... Yeah, I can count on one hand the number of concerts I've been to. The first concert I ever went to was Jethro Tull. Oh man, favorite band of all time. Uh, grew up listening to their music. Uh, of course, my dad raised me on on the classics, so I was listening to The Doors. I was listening to I was listening to the Stones, to the Beatles, listening to the Monkees. Right, watching the Monkees. Sh- I was watching the Monkees show when I was younger too. Um, I was raised on some pretty pretty good classic film. Uh, sorry, classic music from from my dad. Um, and it was funny actually because Jethro Tull. I actually found because I would be carpooling with with a friend of mine in grammar school and his dad liked Jethro Tull. And so there was times when we were in the car and we would be hearing it. And it was specifically bungle in the jungle, uh, bungle in the jungle, because I guess it, it stuck out to us because there were the different random animal noises that exist in that song. And so, yeah, we, we've seen, uh, because of that, Jethro Tull became a-, a band that I just really, really enjoyed and and I had a lot of fun with. So yeah, the first concert I ever went to when I was, uh, get this right, I was 11 years old. I was 11 years old, maybe even 10. I was 10 or 11 when I went to go see Jethro Tull in concert. I was the youngest person there by tw- at least 20 years, minimum 20 years, probably 30, 40 years. And I got to see Ian Anderson uh, live in concert, and, uh, and it was a lot of fun. Other than that, I think I saw Jethro Tull twice in my life, with that first time being when I was around 10. And then after that, I've seen Aerosmith in concert. Those are the only musical concerts I've been to, other than supporting bands I knew in high school who played at random places, but I don't really count those. So I'm, I'm just not a big concert person, let alone going to a theater to watch something, you know? I would more likely watch it in a theater versus going to an actual location, so... Oh, I clicked the wrong button there. Alright, let's see. Uh, Heartbreak Ridge, yeah, we're getting close to the end, so we're going to start to wrap things up. It says, good evening, Odin. If the actor strike drags on, I hope you can find enough content to talk about. Hey, I'm on list reviewing films all the time, so I'm sure I can always find some, some classic stuff. Bruce says, I've seen Tull as well. Seeing them live was awesome. Oh, it was so cool. Uh, it was so awesome, indeed. They're, they're, they're just a very, very entertaining show. Liberty Fella says, any critical buzz, positive or negative, about the Duck Dynasty biopic The Blind? Barely seen any coverage, maybe a good faith film. It's been doing better than expect. Again, it's it's one of those films that's coming out from Fathom events, so there's always that hit or miss. But I've been covering it in my box office, talking about, hey, this is still... Showing, I don't know much about it other than that, but it's it's still performing to, it, to a certain extent. Harvey says, do you like any of the following uh, The uh Beatles, Rolling Stones, Creed's Clear, Clearwater, Revival, Queen, and ABBA? All but ABBA, I just don't care for ABBA's music in general. I think that Mama Mia probably destroyed ABBA in my mind, but all the other ones I do like. I would say as far as the ones I've listened to the most, my dad raised me on the Beatles. uh Rolling Stones as well, I've, so I've heard a lot of their music. Creedence, Clearwater Revival, all the songs from them that I've heard, I've liked, but I don't know all their music, and then I could say the same for Queen. Icthulhu, Beelzebub, Beyoncé, they are easily confused, need to get AI out of them Uh, scream duel. Oh man. Create an, yeah, get get Shad on that. Shad loves his AI art, right? Get Shad to do Beelzebub and then Beyoncé. Jeremy Zakausi, it's going to be a foreign film last time. That I heard, and sadly, yeah, Beyonce will beat that film, and Gary will make you watch Minus One. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing I don't mind watching Minus One. See, that's the thing. I actually don't mind watching a film in a foreign language. I, I, I like them. In fact, I love Japanese movies. Um, I, I went on Japanese film Kick a couple years ago. In fact, you can see a lot of retro reviews in my reviews uh, playlist, and you should check that out. But I, I'm actually looking forward to Minus One. I'm not looking forward to any Monsterverse movies. I'm sorry, the Monsterverse movies suck. Other than Godzilla 2014, which was I actually liked it. it. had issues, but I liked it. All the other ones, I couldn't stand. I did not think they were good. Minus one looks great, though. That's what happens when you have a Japanese company and a Japanese director, etc., actually behind it. And let's see. I think I already read that one as well. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap that up there because I got to go uh, and try to see if the wifey needs any help with 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 our baby girls so thank you all for joining me tonight hopefully everything came through fine it looked like the chat worked a lot better so I'm glad I was able to figure out how to expand the chat history so that I could uh, not have to worry about the chat jumping on me this has been a ton of fun again remember if you've been missing any of the streams now we're only doing one stream a week here on the channel from 730 Eastern Time to around 9 Eastern Time uh, so that is our new streaming schedule and then that means that the Saturday streaming, the Saturday evening stream is canceled. So I still have Friday night tights. I'm slowly getting my way back to Friday night tights. I'm still working out scheduling with uh, with my wife. So I was actually on this past week for about 45 minutes before I had to go pick up my son. Uh, eventually, we're hoping so that I can be on for the first hour and a half. Uh, and, you know, hour hour and a half, hour 45 before having to bounce. Uh, but, of course, we're going to have to work work that out um, as we can. and It's unpredictable when you've got newborn and you've got toddler so still still be on friday night sites salty saturday is still on the salty saturday podcast from one to three eastern time that has been a ton of fun i love that stream so very much and then also i think once a month we're doing a christian panel on carrie smith's channel so that should also be a lot of fun as well so if you're trying to find me on any of those platforms or on any of the streams that is what's going on for us and of course i'm still doing my box office previews my box office breakdowns so be on the lookout for that as well all right I've talked on too much at this point in time, so let's go ahead and get our uh, end screen playing. You guys seriously are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your evening. I'll see y'all in a few days, depending on where you are watching. And as always, God bless.